0: Remain standing. Open your Bibles, please, to Second Samuel, chapter number twelve. I just heard before we came out tonight that uh, Dr. Ron uh, Hamilton is either just passed away or very close to passing away. Uh, I was telling our fellows when we came out uh, how many people get a chance to write that much music, influence that many people's homes, children to adults, to churches, to some that people sing at a national stage. And uh, while he is still in the uh, reclining time, he still sings songs and talks about the Lord. And uh, what a wonderful legacy to leave behind uh, that people remember you that way. I, I don't think many people do that. Uh, I was thinking also of, um, uh, who was uh, No, who? Uh, no, somebody else we were talking about. in there. Who about? It's far- it's far- Clark Parsons if you know Squire Parsons, Squire Parsons wrote hundreds and hundreds of songs that have blessed people, and uh, they sing their songs, I sing a lot of his songs, and uh, very few people get that opportunity to influence that many people, maybe in a church or your area, but we're talking about nations, some of them worldwide, what a blessing that that is. Now, whether you ever get a chance to do that or not, you ought to be concerned about your testimony and how it has an effect on other people, even when you're gone. Bible says the memory of the just is blessed. Yeah. Memory, you know, as you get older, things kind of slow down, quit, stop, but the mind normally continues on. It'd be terrible to have to be confined somewhere in a home or something like that, and your memory's no good. Right. I mean, I'm not talking about you can't remember. I mean, it's bad, bad stuff. Uh, you don't want that. Give your life to the Lord. Fight for it. It's worth fighting for it. You stay at it, okay? And so I was thinking about those guys. And then, of course, our friend, Brother Cavendish, uh, they're without a pastor now. She's without a husband. The kids are without a dad. And uh, he went home to be with the Lord also. And the older you get, you're going to find out there's more and more of your friends and people you know uh, that will die. It is a fact of life. It will happen. And so it's not a matter of will it happen. It's going to happen. What we need to do is make sure that we are living in such a way we're ready to go meet the Lord. Yeah. And so I hope tonight that you are saved. Let's just start right there. I hope you're saved. I hope you know Jesus Christ is your personal Savior. If you do not, I beg you tonight, I beg you tonight, run to an altar and say, God, I don't even know how to Amen. pray. But if you'll save me, I love you. Please forgive me. If you do something that simple, God said, I hear your heart. I prayed, I said two basic words over and over again, but I think God heard me talking a lot from my heart. For with the heart, man believeth unto righteousness, with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. And so when you do that, God's listening. God's waiting on you. You don't need to wait on him. You don't need to understand it all. You need to accept it all. You do that. You'll be okay. Second Samuel chapter number, I'm rambling. Second Samuel chapter number 11. When you found that, I'll read out loud. You read along with me, silently, but we'll read this together. Second Samuel, did I say first? Second Samuel, chapter number 11, starting in verse number 1. And it came to pass, after the year was expired, at the time when kings go forth to battle, that David sent Joab, his servant, with him and all of Israel. And they destroyed the children of Ammon and besieged Rabbah. But David tarried still at Jerusalem. You know this story, yes? Verse number two, and it came to pass in the eventide that David rose from off his bed. David had been sleeping throughout the day, probably well deserved sleep too, and walked upon the roof of the king's house, which is not unusual. A lot of people in that area will go up on the house where it's cooler, and they would go there to get the wind, and and I'm sure David's house was rather nice, I'm sure. And from the roof he saw a woman washing herself, and the woman was very beautiful to look upon. And David sent and inquired after the woman, and one said, Is this not Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam? the wife of Uriah the Hittite, verse number four, and David sent messengers and took her and she came unto him and she lay with him and she, for she was purified from her uncleanness and she returned unto her house and the woman conceived and sent and told David, so this didn't happen overnight, you don't know the next day whether you're pregnant or not, so this a month or two later, she said, David, you won't believe this, one night stand, Ready? And David sent Joab. So the woman conceived, and David said, "She said, David, I'm with child." Verse six. And David sent to Joab, saying, "Send me Uriah the Hittite." And Joab sent Uriah to David. Now Uriah the Hittite was Bathsheba's husband. He was a mighty man of valor. One of David's mighty men. He's out fighting in the battle, and David was with his wife uh, back in the city. Verse number seven. And Uriah. And Uriah was come unto him. David demanded him how Joab did and how the people did and how the war prospered. So David called him back, and they're having this conversation. By the way, how's the battle going out there? How's Joab doing? Is everybody okay? Are we winning this thing? He's just making busy talk. That's all he's doing, making busy talk. And verse number 8, And David said to Uriah, Go down to thy house and wash thy feet. And Uriah departed out of the king's house, and there followed him a mess of meat from the king. But Uriah slept at the door of the king's house with all the servants of the Lord and went not down to his house. And when they had told David, saying, Uriah went not down to his house, David said to Uriah, Comest thou not from thy journey? Why then didst thou not go down to thy house? And Uriah said, look at the the integrity of this man. Just look at the integrity of this man. Watch what he says, verse number 11. And Uriah said, David, the ark, notice what he mentions first. Talking about the ark of the covenant. That represented God. And Israel and Judah abide in tents. And my Lord Joab and the servants of the Lord are encamped in the open fields. Shall I then go into my house and eat and to drink and to lie with my wife? And as thou livest and as thy soul liveth, I will not do this thing. Well, that caught David by surprise. Yeah. Now, Bathsheba was a looker. Just to let you know that. I mean, this is a beautiful woman. And David said, I got to cover this thing up somehow. I know what I'll do. It. I'll call back in Uriah. Uh, I'll tell him this is what I want you to do. I'll even send him a, a whole bunch of good groceries to his house and, and they can just have the time of their life and, and he'll never know the difference. and He'll think whatever's going on, this kid is here. So look down verse number uh, 12. And David said to Uriah, "Tarry here today also and tomorrow I will let thee depart. So Uriah abode in Jerusalem. He still didn't go home that day and tomorrow. Verse 13. When David called him, he did eat and drink before him and he made him drunk. Now look what David's doing to this man. You know, if I get this guy drunk, he won't know what he's doing. He'll just do what I tell him. Watch what it says. And he made him uh, to drink, and at even he went down to lay down upon his bed with the servants of the Lord, but went not down to his house. He's just not going to do this. Look at verse number 14. And it came to pass in the morning that David wrote a letter to Joab and sent it by the hand of Uriah. I want you to go to verse number, go back to verse number four, which is our text verse. And David sent messengers to her, and she came unto him, and he lay with her, for she was purified of her uncleanness, and she returned to her house. We just read a small snippet of a very sad story of a very mighty man, talking about a good man, talking about a man who knew the Lord. I'm talking about how he went from nothing watching sheep to some of the highest heights a man can possibly attain and almost overnight fell into disgrace just like that. How's that possible? How does that happen to a man? How can we see this? Now, I just want to ask you tonight. Here's where I'm headed. We read about David's life and we wag our heads and we say amen. We say, what a shame. But I don't really want to talk. I'm going to talk about David, but I'm going to talk to us. Do we just say amen about David? Do we realize the sin of David's life? But will we examine our own life in light of David and what happened to him? Will we examine ourselves and go, oh my, is that me? Is God talking to me through David through this story here? That's what I want us to see tonight. Are you listening to me? I want us to know tonight if we are appalled by what David did and say that's a shame, or will we examine ourselves and be appalled by our own sin? And be honest about that. We need to hear the Holy Ghost of God. to Back us into a corner with truth. And not let us out. And tell us, thou art the man. You're the one that preacher's talking about tonight. Nathan did that to David. We'll talk about that in a little bit. What saps the vitality of a country? What is it that undermines the national strength of any country? What is it? What brings shame to the Christian church? What causes more heartache and more sorrow than anything else in the world? The same thing that David is guilty of. Satan specializes in making popular sin. I think we help him because we start thinking things like this as he whispers in our ear. It's not that big a deal. People don't think of it like they used to. It's not that bad anymore. And we start to buy into all of this, and nowadays everybody's kind of doing what they want to do, and everybody kind of overlooks it, and we start to buy into this. The success success of his strategy is exactly that. It's not that big a deal. I remember when my mom uh, got a divorce. We're talking about way back in the uh, 60s. Now, back in that time, we lived in a small town. It was Hilliard at the time, was just a small village, not like it is right now. Everybody talked. Everybody knew the divorcee. Everybody knew what was going on. Nobody wanted to step in. Nobody wanted to do anything. And they just kind of left her on their own. I'm not saying that's okay. I'm just saying that's how bad people used to think it was when a woman got a divorce. Now you miss that gullet kiss. Hey, you just don't understand. It's okay in my eyes. And this is the way things have changed. I don't think it's right, but that's what has happened. And that's what has changed. You see, we no longer look at sin as the horror that God talks about. Sin is no longer exceeding sinful. It's just like, yeah, I kind of messed up, and that's why you don't see a lot of people running to the altar and getting right, even though their lives are filled with sin. We just keep making excuse for it. The message: many Christian leaders, or leaders in general, I'm talking about deacons, I'm talking about staff members, I'm talking about people in colleges that teach in college. I'm talking about faculty. I'm talking about people in the pastorate have found themselves in this situation. Have found themselves in this situation. They found to be, and we wonder ourselves, how in the world does that happen? In other words, here it says, How did the mighty fall? How did the mighty fall? Now I know you don't think it'll ever be you. David didn't either. So we think this sometimes. How did the mighty fall? You ready? There came a traveler. So say, what? There came a traveler. I'll try my best to explain this to you, but you're going to have to listen on purpose tonight. I guess this is more of a prelude to a warning before something bad really happens. Now, you listen very carefully to me. Father, thank you for the Bible if you would help me tonight really doesn't matter too much what people think of me. That's beside the point. But I want them to get the point. I want them to understand you wrote this story about somebody that you loved and somebody that was a man after your own heart, and you put it for all the world, decade after decade, thousand years after thousand years, to read about David, who you loved. Why would you do such a thing? Because you didn't want others to follow suit. You wanted them to see the error of his ways. You wanted them to see how David hurt and injured an entire country and a people because of what he did one time. Father, please help us tonight, and I'll thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. The sin of David comes to light by Nathan, the preacher, if you would. And Nathan says this. By this deed, by this deed, thou hast given great occasion for the heathen to blaspheme God. The world out there is waiting and listening. You think they're paying no attention to Christians. They could care less about Christians. Oh, yeah, they care about Christians. They want to ruin them. The Bible says over and over again the Proverbs, they set a snare for the righteous. They're setting uh, traps for the for, for the righteous. They're after you like, they're, like their father, the devil, as a roaring lion walks about seeking whom he may devour. He didn't die. He's waiting for his opportunity, and we need to understand that. In 2 Samuel chapter number 12, look at verse number 14. In verse number 14, he says this. Now, he's still talking in the same situation. Here's what he says. Howbeit, by, this is Nathan talking to the king, the preacher's telling the king, You messed up. Watch what he says. Howbeit because by this deed thou hast given great occasion to the enemies of the Lord to blaspheme. The child that was born unto thee shall surely die. spoke a little bit about David this morning. Our Sunday school lesson was about David this morning and it's just amazing how this young stripling of a lad uh, ends up being the greatest king Israel has ever had bar none except Jesus Christ himself and God says so and you find out here that this this unknown, this this youngest of all the boys, steps forward, only trusting God. And one step at a time, he keeps getting this victory and that victory and this victory and that triumph. And pretty soon, people are singing about him. And he just keeps giving praise to God. And he takes on the Philistines. And he takes on the Midianites. He takes on the Ammonites. He takes on all these forces. And he beats them all for God's glory. And the guy is doing a great, great job. And all this kind of stuff's going on. I mean, this guy, you talk about, I think David was the most balanced man, you'll see. In the Bible, David could write Psalms, beautiful songs. You have them in the Bible, by the way. Uh, you can read all of these, and then you'll find out he's a great singer, also. You'll find out that he could play instruments, and David could take a bow of steel and break it in his hands. God, he said, had taught me how to break a bow of steel in my arm. He taught him how to. God taught him how to do that. David was no sissy boy, but David knew how to be a gentle man. That's why it's called being a gentleman, gentleman. And so we find out here with David, he also learned how a great athletic guy, learned how the Bible teaches how he leap over a wall and outran a troop. David could do these things. God taught him all of this while he was out watching over the flock, while he was watching over the sheep. Some of you guys in here, you keep feeling so sorry for yourself because you don't have a dad or an older brother, somebody to teach you. Do you understand? David learned most of this out in the field by himself, just him and God. And when he got around real men, he paid attention to them. And so that's what you need to do. God has made up for the lack in your life. In his youth, he had been known uh, by, by a quickening spirit. The Holy Spirit of God was in his life and very real. David knew the reality and power of heavenly influence in his life. David did, even as a young boy. And so we find out here, the Lord was his rock. The Lord was his high tower. The Lord was his shield. The Lord was everything today. I'm trying to tell you this. I'm trying to build him up just like the Bible talks about so you can understand the dramatic fall because of what David did. David was called a man after God's own heart. And that's something. David didn't call himself that, others didn't call him that. God called him that. God said, David is a man after my own heart. God said that about David. Just listen to what he's saying about David. This was the caliber of man and the height to which he had risen. You look at Dave and you think, my goodness, if that was your son, I can't believe this. Look what God has done in his life. Look where God has taken him. Look what all's going on. This is what you'd be saying if you were his dad. You come to find out he had risen to the peak of his career. I mean, he had gotten up there. He's the king over all of God's people. And suddenly the devil tripped him up. Now, fellas, don't act like you have no idea what I'm talking about to me, well, from what height of blessings is this possible for a man to be so high, to be so used, to be so in tune with God, to be filled with God's spirit, to write songs, beautiful songs, that people couldn't wait. I mean, they would fight with him to the death just because David was that kind of a man. Everybody loved David. To what depths of sin can a man descend even with all the spiritual Bounds in his life. Just stop thinking about it. We all know somebody, don't we? We all know a preacher, choir director, youth leader, teacher. Yeah, we do. Yeah, we do. And the only thing we that concerns us is, that's terrible and it made me feel bad. That's all you got out of that. It should have been a warning to us what it should have been. The higher the pinnacle of blessing, the higher authority. You guys listen to me. I don't care if it's out in the world or in a church. You listen to me. The higher pinnacle you're on, the more authority that you have, the more publicity that you get, the more grace that God has given to you, the deeper and the more staggering the fall can be. To whom much is given, much is required, the Bible teaches. There is never a day in a man's life, especially a Christian, listen to me, that he cannot depend upon the Lord. That he cannot realize his power comes from God. That he cannot realize I cannot stand alone. I've got to have God's help and power. I mean every day. I don't mean just on Sunday. I mean on your job. I mean around your house. I mean back at that school. I mean every place that we go. You have to understand this. You are praying for those who are special targets. I ask you every week. Please pray for the staff. Please pray for the staff. You have got to understand. God was after David. Doesn't say anything about Joab, he was the general. David was the king. I'm after David. The larger of an influence you can take down, the more people it's going to have an effect on. Does that not make sense? And so this is what the devil does. You see, all these things, this target, this was David. Here was the sort of man who slipped, whom Satan took down. First Corinthians chapter 10, verse number 12. In case you think this is not you, you're so in love with God. Oh, you mean David wasn't. Oh, you're just so close to God. This would never happen. You mean David wasn't. David was. David was probably better Christian than most people in this room. If not all the people in this room, including myself, David took a break. That's all he did. He took a break. David said, I'm tired. I've been fighting since I was a kid. War after war after war, battle after battle, been on the run, come back, set up a kingdom. Man, am I tired. Don't tell me he didn't deserve to take a break. He didn't deserve that. And the devil said, "Boy, take a break. He was waiting for it. So what do we have here is, listen carefully, this did not happen though in one night. Here's what most people do not understand about David. We think Bathsheba was one night while he was resting. He looked over and that's what caused the whole thing. No, it didn't. Like most sins in people's lives, it didn't happen last night. Didn't happen last weekend. You may not even fully be aware of how it's coming about, but you're getting set up. Let me help you to try to understand something. In 2 Samuel chapter number 5 and verse number 13, the Bible said David took more concubines. Look here, 2 Samuel chapter 5 verse number 13. God had rules for kings. This is very important. God had rules for those who reigned over his people. Those of you that are in authority, you think it's just all about telling other people what to do. People tell me all the time, you're the preacher, you can do what you want. No, because I'm the preacher, I can't do what I want. People don't follow a leader that does whatever he wants. People follow a leader who controls himself and does what God wants. By the way, same thing with a wife and her husband. So we find out here 2 Samuel chapter 5 verse 13 David took him more concubines and wives wives plural out of Jerusalem after he was come from Hebron This was a direct violation of God concerning a king By the way this is not Bathsheba wives This is before he ever knew a person named Bathsheba Watch very carefully here. In Deuteronomy chapter 17, you want to turn there, it's fine, but here's what here's what happened. God laid out for all the kings that would come under him. If you're going to be a if you're going to be a leader over my people, this is what you can't do, this is what you can do, and God laid it all out. So there's no guesswork there. There were three things from which every king, including David, was to abstain. Look down in if you're there. Look in Deuteronomy 17, 16. Deuteronomy 17, 16. First of all, it said, he shall not multiply horses to himself. Understand, he could take all the horses he wants to, but not for himself. Give them to your men. That's their spoils of war. Give them to them. Give them to the children of Israel. Let them have it. But king, you can't multiply your horses. Look down in verse number 17. Neither shall he greatly multiply, what's the next two words, to himself, silver and gold. God said, look, you're the king. I don't want you doing this. I don't want you to multiply horses to yourself. I do not want you to multiply to yourself silver and gold. Go down to verse number 17. Watch this. Neither, neither, not just those two, but neither shall he multiply what? Wives what? To himself. To himself. That his heart turn not away. God warned. God warned every king that came. Even Solomon didn't listen. As wise as Solomon is, I can't believe how stupid he was at times. 700 wives, 300 concubines. Are you kidding me? And then he did whatever his eyes and hands wanted to do. That's not very smart, but he did that. Listen to me carefully. It, 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 it uh, In battles, as victories are won, David did not make himself horses. He did not gather to himself horses. He did not gather to himself silver and gold. He gave it to his men or gave it to the Lord. David was not interested in that kind of stuff. He he collected a lot of stuff for the tabernacle. He collected a lot of stuff for the temple, but he didn't do to himself. He didn't accept this place when it comes to women. He did. It got David in a lot of trouble. You see, what happens here is this. In obedience to God, which he disobeyed in the matter of the opposite sex, David was getting set up for a day that he knew nothing about. Why did God make those three rules? God makes rules for reasons. Why did God set this up for leaders? Because there was a price for leadership. Fellas, listen to me. Ladies, listen to me. You watch my wife sit back there and smile like she doesn't have a kid. A multiple choice question there. And so she sits there and you have to understand I am going a lot. And when I do come home I don't talk a lot. These are the things that come along with being closely associated with leadership. And then you have leadership itself. And such a man cannot afford to live as near that he dares to sinful things. You can't do that. You cannot take the same liberties that maybe even other people can take. You listen to me now, trying to warn you. Had somebody in our, I'm teaching on the family, uh, one of our doctoral classes out there, and one of the young ladies come up and goes, "Man, I didn't know there's that much included in raising kids. We're not telling our children, are we? And so here's the thing that's going on here. If you would attain to any position of Christian leadership, you must recognize that there is a price to pay. There is a price to pay. It's like having children. Oh, wouldn't it be fun to have children? It's work to have children. It is work to have children. You have to understand those things. Sometimes the price you pay is loneliness. Brother Howes used to say all the time, you have to learn how to be alone with just you and God. You can't do what other people do. You have to learn to take all your problems to the Lord and let people take their problems to you. Because that's, that's what they do. They need to do that. But you don't take your problems to them. Being misunderstood happens all the time. Comes with the territory. That's just the way that it is. Having a few friends. Now, I try to be friendly to everybody. Some of you, it's awful hard to do. But I, I try real hard. And so what you find out here, you can't be best friends with everybody. You know why? Don't take this wrong. Some people don't know how to shut their mouth. You tell them anything, it's going to be all over all over the internet and everything else. Outer under the net, everywhere. Physical ailments. I know some preachers that they're always physically fighting with something. Something is wrong. And it's just its just the way that it is. But one is thing is for certain. There is a price for keeping yourself separated so that God can use you. So that God can use you. On this side of the issue, David failed. David, one day, one day, it seemed like one day, because of all of this, David gathered to himself wives. When we come to find out, they turned his head. And by the way, same thing happened to Solomon. It turned Solomon's head. And God warned him and said, don't do this because they'll turn your head. They'll use you for evil. And Solomon, as smart as that guy was, how in the world could he fall for this? Look in 2 Samuel chapter 11. Look at verse number 1. Verse number 1. And it came to pass, and the year was expired, at the time when kings go forth to battle, that David sent Joab, his servant, with him, and his servants with him, and all of Israel, and they destroyed the children of Ammon and besieged Rabbah. But David tarried still at Jerusalem. This is not when the story with Bathsheba really begins. His problem started way back when he started adding wives, and God said, Do not do that. When God warns you of something, you're not the exception to the rule. At the time, you may seem very strong and you can have, but I'm just telling you, God knows better than you do, and you need to stay away from that. In an indolent, lazy mood, in a moment when he was off duty and alone, there came, to quote Nathan, the preacher, there came a traveler. A traveler. Nathan, it gets to telling him this story. He's telling this story about this rich guy who had more than he knew what to do with. And a friend of his, a a traveler, came by. A traveler. Just a traveler. Didn't even tell us who he is or what he wanted. Just a traveler came by. And the rich guy said, hang around, I'll feed you. He goes next door to a guy that has one ewe lamb. One. He has all that he could possibly want and more. But he goes next door and takes his prized lamb and uses that instead. Nathan's telling David this story after the fact, Uriah is dead now, Bathsheba's pregnant, the whole town's starting to talk, things are really getting out of hand. Nathan comes by begins to tell him in this story, and in the story he happens to mention, and there came a traveler. There came a traveler. He's telling this story, and what he's really telling him is there's this thought that entered into this guy's mind. Read the story. This traveler, he's not named, didn't really say any more about it than that. But in the story, in the, in, in the context of the story, it's a thought that entered in to David's mind. To satisfy that thought, he went. And in effect, what he did, he developed a desire, and then he formed it into actions itself. It all starts in the mind. Right. Yeah. That thought you keep tempting yourself with, that thing you keep letting run in your mind, that traveler that seems like just passing by. Nathan looks at David and said, let me tell you a story. David's so good. I like stories. I like to hear a preacher tell stories. I like that. David was not getting the picture because when it came down to it, when he found out what all this guy did in the story, even though he mentioned a traveler that was just passing by, David said, the guy ought to be killed and he needs to pay back. Nathan said, David, you're not getting this, are you? It's like, Sitting in church sometimes, and a preacher's preaching, and you think what we're doing, we're boxing, and as long as I don't hit you, you get by. No, you've been a lot better off. I knocked you down on your back, and you called out to God. You've been a lot better off doing that. So, David's listening to this story, and he said, Man, I hate that guy. Whoever that guy is you're talking about in that story, I hate he ought to be killed, and he needs to pay back fourfold. Nathan looks at him and said, David, you're the man. Preacher looked at the king and said, I'm talking about you, David, and you know it. Then it dawned on David. I've been had. I've been found out. David thought he had all hid. In a few moments, the great man had blackened his character. That great man, David, you read about David, and I think, man, what a guy. What a guy. He's a good-looking fella. Man, he's honest as all get out. He loves the Lord. He's filled with the spirit. filled with the spirit. Look at me. He's filled with the spirit. He's filled with the spirit and fell into sin. Right. He loved God, wrote songs about God, that whole nation would sing. Right. And he fell into sin. It was it was all because there came a traveler. He yielded to a thought. Later news which which could not be ignored or hidden. Of course she's pregnant. You can't hide that stuff. David said, Oh my goodness I gotta do something. I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna. And he begins to think very evil. Anybody can get caught up in sin. You'll notice when you read in Psalm 51 that David doesn't talk about his sin with Bathsheba other than it was sin. But when he talks about the evil that he did, he's talking about Uriah the Hittite. I had him killed and got other people involved. He's not saying that wasn't wrong, but there's a difference between sin and evil sin. Everybody commits sin, but God said you're not supposed to commit evil. That's when you get other people involved in your sin to cause harm to other people and get them involved. David did that. He called in Joab. He called in other people and said, now you take Uriah out there in the hottest part of the battle. And when everybody's fighting, you tell everybody, this is Joab. Joab was also a close friend with Uriah and said, when you get him out there, you back away. You said, Joab didn't do it. Joab did do it. Joab said, that's my leader. That's my king. I'll do what he tells me. What a terrible thing to do. So we find out here, bring Uriah home. He said, here's what we'll do. But Uriah got home and he wouldn't go home. I mean, who wouldn't be, who would be out on the battlefield, sleeping on the ground and in tents and fighting every day. And when you finally get a chance to go home with Bathsheba, this is one good looking woman here. I ain't going there. I have too much integrity. Joab's still out there on the field. All of my friends are still out on the field uh, battling. They're sleeping in the dirt. I'll sleep right here on the porch. I'm not going home. And David said, I don't believe this. I don't believe it. I'm setting this guy up, and he won't fall for it. So David said, hey, I'll tell you what you do. Let's have a great party tonight, and then you go home to your wife. He said, I won't do that. I can't do that. Am I on I'm not on it. My bad. So what we find out here is simply this. I wonder what Joab thought when he told him what to Joab, when you get back in the battle, Uriah's a great warrior. You tell him, I want you to take this part of the wall. You got it? In that gate right there. But it was a place where a lot of arrows were shot. You find out later on when David's talking to the runner that comes back to tell him. David gets infuriated. So, what in the world were they attacking like that? Well, Joab heard this whole thing, actually handed the, the, the letter to, to Uriah, said, here, this is from the king. Can you imagine that? Here, here's your death warrant. There's a guy that's been with your wife. And he's got to get rid of you. And once he does, everything will settle down. Nobody will be the wiser. And, they'll just, and then I'll marry Bathsheba, and they'll think we just had a baby between us. But not out of wedlock. Nothing worked right. Nothing worked right. So what do we find out here? We find out here when Joab sent men back to the battle, he said, okay, after the battle, Uriah died. He got killed in battle, just like David planned. David planned to murder him, and he did it. Whew. Nobody will know now. That's all covered. You know how we do. Man, see, if I say this and I say that, and I make sure they never see this, it'll all be covered up. Right? That's what we do. Yeah. Listen to me, those of you in leadership. You're going to get found out. Oh, yeah. So he gets back home. Joab, everything is there. And the message comes back about the battle. And so he told Joab, Let me know how things go. Well, I don't know how many days or weeks or months went by, but finally this runner comes back with a message, and David said, How goes the battle? He said, Well, we lost this many men. What? You did what? What are you doing? Why how come you're going up against the gate? You know all the all, all the all the archers are right there. What are you doing? And by the way, Uriah's dead. He calmed right down. You know what he's saying? David's angry. Joab said, here's what you need to tell him. We took the gate, but Uriah's dead. And if he's really angry with you, he'll calm right down. Sure enough, that's what happened. And then you won't believe this. You know what he did next? He married Bathsheba. Well, what are you going to do? The woman's pregnant. Her husband hadn't been home. Everybody knows it. And by the way, I tend to believe everybody in the neighborhood knew what was going on. David, David. David. David? Did you forget about God? Did you forget? Okay, your eye's dead. Joab probably won't say anything. Bathsheba's not going to say anything. The neighbors against the king, they're not going to say anything. David, did you forget about God? And what you're doing, did you forget about God? Did you forget that his eye runs to and fro over the whole earth? Seeing the good and the evil? Did you forget about David? Come on. You're a lover of God. You know better this. Everything is known of God, and soon David and the world and all the kingdom will know, David, what you did. What a tragedy it was that a man who walked with God, you listen to me, this was not a bad guy. This was a man who walked with God. This was a man who wrote Psalms. This was a warrior, a king, a spiritual leader, and he had trampled in the dust relationship with God over a woman. Um, we don't have a lot of old guys in this church. We just don't. We don't have a lot of old women in this church. It's amazing how younger people think older guys are never bothered by stuff. Oh yeah, well he's like 35, this stuff doesn't bother him anymore. Really? Do you know at this time it is believed that David was somewhere between 45 and 55 years old? (laughs) Perhaps you're beginning to associate with someone out of God's will. Perhaps you're in God's will and someone around you. Look at me and listen to me. Everybody up this way. We always act like it's not us. I don't expect you to stand up and go, okay, you got me, preacher. Even David wouldn't do that. He was a king. Who knows but that the climax of destruction and disaster is just around the corner. Listen well to this instruction. God will deliver you from temptation if you run to him and ask him for his help. When you deliberately, by the way, that's what Joseph did, right, with Potiphar's wife. You say he still went to prison. God was with Joseph. And look where he ended up. If you deliberately keep walking into a place of temptation as though it doesn't matter, it doesn't apply to you, you mark it down. Heaven itself cannot help you because you're telling God it doesn't matter and I'll get over it anyway. A man after God's own heart still ran into that situation. Heaven will not help you until you lean, learn your lesson and lean on God and run to him when you're in this kind of a situation. The best thing for you to do is avoid it, pass by it. That's what the Bible teaches. Get away from it, run from it, do what Joseph did. That's what you need to do. David, what a price to pay for giving room to a traveler. A thought crossed your mind. That's all that it was. David thought about something, and that's where it started. It could lie there dormant until the, what did Bob Jones Sr. used to say, when temptation meets opportunity, it produces sin. What does James say? Sin, when it's finished, produces death. David is dying here. He is dying right here. The only thing that saved him at all, and he still went through hell on earth with his family and a lot of other things, but the only thing that saved him was running to God and thank God for a preacher that finally looked David in the eye and said, David, you're the man. I'm talking to you and you know it. It's the only thing that saved him at all. David becomes infuriated. Look what he says in chapter number 12, chapter number 12 and verse number five and six. Now, in verse number four, and there came a traveler unto a rich man. This is the story that the preacher's telling, David. There came a traveler, and he spared to take of his own flock. Now, he's talking about this rich man. This traveler was coming by to dress it for this man, for this wayfaring man, just this traveler. This guy's passing by. This thought, that's what Nathan's talking about. He's not really talking about a man. He's talking about this thought that was put in your head, David. Watch what happened. He said, wayfaring man, that was come to him. And he took the poor man's lamb and dressed it for the man that was come to him. And David, now David's not catching on to this story. And David's anger was greatly kindled against the man of a story, of a story. And he said to Nathan, as the Lord liveth, the man that done this thing shall surely die, and he shall restore the lamb fourfold, which he did for which he did this thing, because he had no pity. You know, what Dave was saying, "This is what needs to happen to me." You know, some of the things that Christians have done, we should really die for. Christians have done some. It's not the end of the story. Just to me very carefully. If you now have a place in leadership, I'm talking to everybody on staff. I'm talking to those guys up there in that room. I'm talking about you as a dad and your family. I'm talking about deacons. I'm talking about everybody. Listen to me very carefully here. I don't care what your position is. If you ease up and you grow tired of staying separate If you ease up and say it's not like it used to be, if you start giving away your standards and your separation and what did you say in prayer? Purity is power. No purity, no power. I don't care. You thought yelling and screaming is more. That's not the power. Anybody can yell and scream. You don't have power with God because you can out scream everybody. That comes from a life that's been walking with God. Daddy, that's where you need. Just because you don't do anything wrong, are you doing anything right that God wants? So here's what you had to find out. What a price David paid for giving into a traveler. A thought that should never have been in his head. Nathan tells this story. He's just not paying attention. And before Nathan was finished, David becomes so upset. Nathan finally had to drop the story and say, David, you're not getting this, are you? I'm talking to you. I have no idea who I'm talking to tonight, if nothing more than just a warning to everybody. Get your standards back, get your separation back, stand for the Lord again, and make any difference who likes it, who doesn't like it. It's the safest place for all the Christians to be. A person who hides an uneasy conscience and a sense of guilt may lash out at others about the same thing, and I think there's a reason for that. They know it's wrong in themselves, and when they see it in others, they don't like it. So they really get upset with other people when they do this. This is why so many Christians are so merciless when somebody falls into sin. Because you have and probably are. It's what Jesus meant when he talked about you committing the same thing. It may not be because we're so holy is why we're upset with people. It actually may be because we're so unholy. At David's outburst, the preacher turned to David and told him to his face. This is what, by the way, when I first got saved, this is the part about preaching I loved. Was when the preacher was preaching, I knew he was talking to me. Yeah. I knew it. I wanted that. Tell me what to do. Tell me what I'm doing wrong. Tell me how to get right. Tell me how God loves me. Tell me what to, preacher, tell me. Quit beating around the bush. Because when you do, you go like I wonder who he's talking to. You see it all over Fundamental Baptist Church. Women over here looking at the women over here, guys over here questioning over there, people raising eyebrows like you have no idea that you've ever done a thing wrong in your life. And I hope you never have. But if we're being truthful. Also, I want you to notice how firmly God, through Nathan, reminded David how much he loved him. Folks, listen to me. If this is you, please. Run to God and put a stop to it. Please, 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 please. And don't think it doesn't matter. God probably doesn't love me now. No, 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 no. God still let you always be his child. God chastens every child that comes to him because he loves them. You have to understand. I want you to look in 2 Samuel chapter 12. Look at verse number 7. And Nathan said, now this after he told him, this is you, David. And Nathan said to David, thou art the man. Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, I anointed thee king over Israel. And I telling him all the good things that God has done for him. And I delivered thee out of the hand of Saul and I gave thee thy master's house and thy master's wives in the, into thy bosom and gave thee the house of Israel and of Judah. And if that had been too little, God said, if you'd have just asked me, I'd have given you, David, I love you so much and I know you like. Why didn't you ask me? Verse number nine, wherefore, Hast thou despised the commandment of the Lord to do evil in the sight of the Lord? Thou hast killed Uriah the Hittite and hast taken his wife to be your wife and hast slain him with the sword of the children of Ammon. He's telling him, David, do you understand what God did with you? Do you understand how he loved you? How he picked you? How he brought you to himself? How he set you before him, made you the king over all of him. Do you understand, David, what I I protected you when Saul was after you. When people misunderstood you, I brought the whole kingdom back together. David, I used you and you led me. Think of our relationship. David, do you understand what we were doing? Listen, sin is desperate and dangerous. There's nothing good about it. It's that first initial, wow. After that, it's all downhill from there. Come to find out here, it cannot be quenched except with the love of God. You're being blinded by artificial love as opposed to eternal love. That's not the way you were when you first got saved. All you cared about, what were you pleasing to God? We get a little enamored after so many battles, after so many hurts, so many pains, so many losses, so many standing when you didn't really want to. After a while, you go. I just need a break. And the devil said, "Boy, you deserve it. Take off. Stay away for a while. Enjoy yourself." David deserved. It. I think David deserved it. I really do. And the devil said, "That's my chance." Men are not good when they're alone. Amen. But you see, there is a word following this bit of comfort that Nathan's giving David. There's a word right after this. I want you to look in chapter 12, verse number 14. What's the first word? Hmm. Hmm. He just said, God's not going to kill you, David. You sword will never leave your house. Howbeit, Watch what he says. Because of this great, because thou hast done this deed, thou hast given great occasion to enemy, David, this isn't good. I can't let this go at all. See, everybody heard. Everybody knows. Like a good father, he's got to do something. All because years earlier, all because years earlier, disobedience was not handled properly. Disobedience was not, you're not doing your kids a favor by letting them get by with stuff. a thought was passing by and we did not take the bountiful blessings of God and say i have not doing that God's been too good to me we took a break and off we went it was just a traveler just a thought passing through no harm no foul years and years earlier and it manifested itself when David just was taking a break one day and that traveler to the forefront and Nathan knew it the preacher knew it he said David thou art the man he told him a story about a stranger You speaking your mind all the time is nothing more than a lack of self-control and your relationship with God. That's all that that is. Are the walls of separation around you crumbling? Are they? They were up there before, but that kind of protects you, kept you from things. Now that gate's been burnt. That wall's crumbling down. Are you justifying right to some sinful behavior? You're reasoning, speculating, making it make sense. Is that what you're doing? A traveler. That's all it was. Do you dismiss the consequences by convincing yourself, I'll just ask for forgiveness and God will do that and he will. Absolutely. God said, I'm held to my word. You come to me, I'll forgive you. Your kingdom will actually split shortly after you die. It's going to be bad, David. And yet he said, "He was a man after God's own heart." Isn't that strange? You, know what I think, in all that. When I mess up royally, the thing that breaks my heart the most. I know God knows. I want you to sit still. Knock it off. I know God knows. God could look at George Bell, if you would, and simply say, and I tell him, God, look, I messed up. God said, I know that. And I'm going to have to adjust some things in your life. But I love you. I know that too, George Bell. I know you love me. Maybe that's you. You got caught up in something earlier. A thought went through your mind. You're getting around somebody you shouldn't be around. And yet in your heart, you're crying out, saying, God, I do love you. And God said, I know you do. I know. I loved you too, and that's why I did this for you and did that for you and did this for you and did that for you and brought you here and did that for you. See, we forgot about all that. Now we think we deserve something we don't have. It's just a passing traveler right to our mind. Are you purposely associating with someone you know tempts you? Before you cause the heathen to blaspheme again, You don't have to advertise a thing. You you really tell them it's a bad thing to don't do that. But you really ought to confess to God and tell him, God, I didn't mean to, I do love you. And God will say this, I know you do. See, God knows the hearts of men. But if you keep planning to get around God and do something like that, you have no idea the collateral damage that you'll cause don't even know why I'm preaching this necessarily tonight I know one reason please do not listen to the traveler it was meant to just pass on by but I think at that time because Nathan brought it up he was telling David I know how this started way back you took wives and God warned you they'll change your mind about God he didn't listen David had three or four wives before it was all over with. Bathsheba was just one of them. He had Abigail, remember that? And he had a couple of other wives too. God said, David, you can't do this. He did anyway. At the time, it didn't even seem like it mattered. But then one day, maybe he just wanted another wife. He's the king. David, God said, no. There's just some things in leadership you cannot. There's just some liberties that are no longer yours. There's not some excuses that are just yours to, 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 to talk about it. They're just not there. This is what sounds pretty lonely. Jesus was alone a lot. By himself a lot. You, you think what I do, this is what the ministry is all about right here. Right? Man, they give him gifts and he's so funny and I'm hearing preach. You think this is what, what this is all about? That's not the battle. It's when David That's not where it started. Back a long time ago when a traveler came by and David listened. Now, here's here's the rub tonight. You'll think to yourself, I come the older. They'll think that's what I'm doing, right? So you'll do what David did and just try to hide it and make sure nobody finds out. Just like David did. sin will find you out. Be sure. God said so. So I would rather people guess than eventually people find out. What'd you go to the altar for? By the way, when our kids used to come to the altar, we never said this, what'd you go up there for? We never do that. We always say this, you okay? Is everything all right now? Yes, sir. Okay. You say, I want to know what they're doing. Okay, I want to know what you're doing. When you came up there, what were you talking about? Well, you wouldn't do that, and I wouldn't do it either. But with God, it's altogether different. You're his child, and he has a right to know what you're doing, so he knows what to do with you. If we're not going to be honest with God, then you face the consequences of your decisions and actions. There was a traveler that brought down